Oh, come on. How amazing. We want to welcome our Greece campus with us. Um, I want to welcome those who are joining us online right now from our Life Center Extension, Monroe Extension. They mention Albion. What that means is that the Father's House will be sending a team of people every week. We have raised the money for the equipment, and every week they'll be watching our services, participating our services. And um, we're negotiating that once a month we can go with a team and preach live. There's 1,200 women incarcerated. But aren't you thankful that our God never gives up on nobody? That we're going to be part of the hope of heaven in their lives and that of their families. I want to welcome those from New York, Massachusetts. They should have made that easier. New Jersey, Nevada, Florida, Maryland, Puerto Rico. And the list goes on. Come on, let's just put our hands together and welcome all of them. As you've been receiving these handouts in the last couple of days, last couple of weeks really, um, it is interesting to me, and I want to speak especially to our Father's House Church family and friends that have been coming regularly and those joining us online. As I was preparing and praying for my family and our yes to what God would like us to do, because a reminder again is, is we've got to say yes. You always wrestle the fact in that whether all of you belong to God or some of you belong to God. Because our yes will be, uh, will be either made more or less by how much of your life belongs to God. And I, I found, I stumbled across this yesterday that the word believe in Scripture shows up 272 times. The word pray, 371. The word love, 714. The word give, that God speaks about it, 2,152. In that moment, I was quite astounded that the disproportionate amount of time that God speaks about giving. And as a pastor, I know how tick people become when you talk about giving. And I, I sat back and I go like, not you guys, not you guys, not you guys. Turn, to tell them it's a Baptist church. It's not us. It's not us. Just saying. I'm just messing with the Baptist church. They're good people. Um, I, I, I looked at this and then had a, a scripture just jumped out at me. In the book of Corinthians, it says that we are co-workers with God with his work on earth. He says, actually, you are co-workers with Christ. That means the activity of heaven and the activity of human beings on earth combined is how God does his work. Now think about it. There's, there are no angels that's going to do the work of heaven on earth. There's, there's no money appear to do the work of God on the earth. It is God in his infinite wisdom that believe when he transforms a heart and you receive living faith that you'll be so in love with what he's doing in you that you want to share that with the rest of the world. C.S. Lewis says something interesting. Love C.S. Lewis. We all love dead people. Isn't it amazing? But when they're alive, we fight them. Um, and we, 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 he said this. He says, God made for no human being to fully see something and appreciate it all by themselves. When you see a sunset, 
you go like, oh, come look. When you watch a comedy, you pause and you go like, I've got to go find somebody to come see this. When you see a stupid YouTube clip, you wake up your wife, you go like, you've got to see this. Because it's, you cannot fully, fully enjoy anything by yourself. In the same way, I believe that the joy of our salvation is only amplified when we invite others into that moment. So the question that I want to ask you to consider today is how much did heaven risk to invade the earth? How much did God risk to find me, to find you? How much did God risk with my stubbornness? How much did he give? Did he give moderately? Did he give comfortably? Or did God give sacrificially in order to invade the earth? It is a simple answer. He gave sacrificially his all with no guarantees. And I believe that the way that we as people with living faith respond to partnering with heaven is sacrificial giving so that the work of God can be extended. You say, Pastor P, what a sacrificial giving. That's when your stomach turns when you hear the whisper of heaven. Or you go like, oh, mm. In that moment, you know you're not in a place of comfort because God will always lead you to a place of faith because faith honors God and God honors faith. And as a, your pastor, I can look you in the eye and tell you this. I have never seen my family or other families give sacrificially, boldly, and start living a life that was less after they gave. There is always blessing, increase, the unexpected, and young adults, let me look you in the face, you knew in your journey, got a new job, and you've got an apartment, and I want to say, you know, I, I, I love taking risk for God's kingdom, but, but I'm risk averse, so whenever somebody says, hey, let's climb in that cage with the bungee cords that shoot you four million miles up, and it's just going to be awesome, I go like, no, I have a calling, I have a wife, I have two kids, I ain't going. Because Barry, that's operating, it didn't check the bungees before I got in. And I ain't doing none of that. But whenever you risk and you come off it, you go like, I was exhilarating. I was so free. Here's my question. When last did you get in a bungee cage with Jesus and his course and his works? And you risk it because you love him and his love for you is manifested in your reciprocating in his work on the earth. My desire that you don't feel any compulsion, but my desire is the Father's house family, that we all do something sacrificially together, because every penny that comes in will go beyond this house to the greater Rochester mission of Jesus that He has signed to us. I'm going to pray for us, and then I can't wait to share with you the last message in the series, Who needs Christmas. Come on, would you high-five your neighbor and just say you smell really good? Whatever it is, keep using it. They say you say it every week, Pastor P. Yes, because I can smell you. You smell great. Keep using it, Jesus. Here we are, your children that you love so deep. Each of us, I thank you that our value is never in a referendum. We are never put on a scale. We are never weighed. God, we are image bearers of you and our value is infinite. Whether we're failing or succeeding, whether we feel we are good people or bad people, it doesn't change 
our worth and it doesn't change your love for us. Thank you that you're a God that sees past our tantrums, our stupidity, our shortfalls, our misplaced emotions and agendas. And that you're a God that every time we come, your arms are open wide and you welcome us in. So Holy Spirit, every single person that's hearing my voice, I believe are here because your spirit is drawing them. I pray that the message today will find a resting place and liberate hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody shouts, Amen. Can we just thank our worship teams and Naji? You can just keep playing like that. Message is short this morning. And for those who are new, that's not a promise. That's an assumption. No, just, so, just so we're clear. But I, I like Naji to play because when we think about um, Christmas, to understand the context of the time, the context of the time, Samaria, where this whole story took place, was occupied by the Roman Empire for decades. Uh, the, the Roman king in that area, King Herod, was notorious for wanting to build big buildings for his fame and in his name. But of course, he used the people that he occupied. He was notorious uh, for being unpredictable and extremely cruel and ruthless. Um, and in his later years, he became 100% paranoid, history tells us. And if he even thinks you are out to get him or poison him or kill him, he would literally obliterate thousands of people. He was insane. He was a cruel man. Now it's within this context when Isaiah, it's an Old Testament prophet, began to speak that out of the shoot of Jesse would come this wounded warrior that will crush the, the, the head of the enemy. It is now 700 years later. And we're about to see how Jesus came. So why did I say 700 years later? Because for some of you, seven days is a problem and you want to doubt God. For some of you, seven hours, you go like, well, I just don't know. I prayed, apparently. He doesn't love me. Hey, 7,000 years. Why did it take so long? Because the Bible says, and when the time was at its full. In other words, there is a time of now for every prayer you prayed. There is a time of now for every sigh of help me, Jesus, that has come your way. But we are shaped not by the answer. We are shaped in the waiting. Oh, I would tattoo that somewhere. We are shaped in the waiting because it's in the waiting that God shapes our hearts, our minds, our, our patience, our grace, our, our gratitude for that. But let me, let me go on. I promise this is going to be short. Now I've just added seven minutes to it. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, and I'm going to encourage you to read with me out loud. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. What is the word Messiah? It's a, it's a Hebrew word for the liberator that Israel was praying for to liberate them as a people. Verse 18, his mother Mary was pledged to be married, come on, to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant 
through the Holy Spirit. Yes, they didn't, didn't go off that well when she tried to share it. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is important. So she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Now, this is important, but I don't want your theology or your belief to really get confused right now. The word Jesus is a Latin translation. Let me explain to you why. Because in the Hebrew language, there is no J sound. So if they were to pronounce the word Jesus, it would be Yeshua. But, but you saying Jesus is okay. Don't think, man, the reason why God doesn't answer my prayers is because I've been mispronouncing His Son's name all along. This is not why that is. Yeshua, and Yeshua would be connected to the name Joshua as we know it. What makes Joshua significant? This is important. Joshua and Moses were two pivotal leaders when Israel was in Egypt. Remember the movie Prince of Egypt? Israel was in Egypt. God led them out first with Moses, the lawgiver. But Joshua was the captain of the army under Moses. There were ten cities that Joshua had to conquer in order for them to get to the promised land and win. Moses died, Joshua became the warrior king of Israel, and he, literally the last promise that God gave them, had to chase the giants out of the land. Can I just lay something down with you again? Every single promise that God ever gives you, you will not arrive there on a cloud. You will fight battles in order to get to what God has promised you. Because whatever God promised, there is always giants standing in the way trying to keep you out. That's why get good and pray. Get good and battle. Get good and fighting. Not people, not the neighbor, not your family. Get good and standing your ground. Because every battle, God will give you the victory if you remain faithful. Because at the end of the day, well, I've got to tell you the story because I can. You have nowhere to go. It's snowing outside. So, so you've got to understand, we, we were across the street. Um, Dr. Keith, we... I. I we were in a room that seated 200 people, and I was praying under the stairs, and there were two broken uh, air conditioners in that little room, and I was so desperate, and we, we wanted to build this building, and, and this, they said in the beginning, this building is going to be $2 million, and then it turned out to be $12.5 million, and, and, and then during that time, Pastor Jensen Franklin, which is a big church in the south, went on TV, and he says, this past Sunday, somebody put a million dollars on the offering. I go like, oh, what the heck? I went to my little room. I go like, God, D comes before J. Duplicy, Jensen. Lord, please, would you throw us a bone like a million? Like, I want to go, hey, somebody threw a million in the plate. Ha, ha, hoo, You know what I mean? I want that feeling. And then I heard this in my heart. Why would you want a million? So we don't have to worry about the money. Then I heard God say this. So you want to go to Canaan, huh? I go like, oh yeah. Canaan was this building for me. He says, so you want to arrive at Canaan without any miracle? I go like, exactly. 
That would be it. He says, so what are you going to tell your kids? You don't want to have the miracle of the Red Sea. You don't want to have the miracle of Jericho. You don't want to have the miracle of manna by, uh, by day. You don't want to have the miracle of water coming out of a rock. I go like, yeah, no, I, can we go that route, but just easier? Because you see what you've got to understand, that God is not only building the future, but he's building a testimony to his goodness in your life. Because he keeps saying this in scripture, do not forget to tell your children. That is why I want to remind you, the way you worship, let it be epic so that your children can tell their children. That's why when you give, don't give $4 and think you did Jesus a favor. You've got to give in a way that your kids think you have lost your mind, that they will tell their children one day when you are gray and growing beard and sitting there, that they go like, Grandpa is insane, but man, does he love of Jesus because in his life he is story after story after story and now I've just added eight more minutes to the message so let me move on I don't even know where I am his name was Joshua you see as I'm reading through scripture so often I I begin to think that Joseph was a normal guy like you and I right we read through it and especially if you're still holding on to the King James um, which is not bad. It says, and Joseph heardeth the angel of the Lord. And, and you go like, oh, it's so holy, so beautiful. So I'm going to take liberty. And I think if, if the angel came to me and says, hey, um, your fiance is going to have a child impregnated by the Holy Spirit, that would be a problem. But since it's an angel in front of me, I know that there is more to this. And then he says this, his name shall be called Joshua. And in the context, I would go, my son is going to be the warrior king? This is amazing. And then the angel said a second thing. They've got a slide that's going to help you. His name's going to be Joshua, for he, he, Jesus, right, is the word Joshua, for he will save his people. And I'm going to go like, of course. That's what the prophecy said, that the Messiah is going to come and he's going to save the people. I know he's going to save the people because Joshua was a warrior king and he went through Jericho. He went through the land. He, he was undefeated. He knows. And if the, the spirit of Joshua is going to come on my son, it is clear he's going to save the people from there. And I'm going to say, oh, I know who they are. It is heritage. It's, it's the Roman Empire. Before them, it was Syria. Uh, before them, it was so many others. I know what this baby boy is going to do. He's going to become an incredible warrior king that's going to liberate the people. But then the angel continue and he says, and he's going to save his people from there. What is the very next word? Come on, shout it out. Come on, everybody, shout it out. And in this moment, if I am Joseph, I'm going to go like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Sin is not a felt need right now. Let, let me explain to you how this works. If we are to have a referendum and we say to Israel, do you want to be liberated from the Romans or do you want to be saved from your sin?
You're going to lose the referendum, Gabriel, just by the way. Because right now we have a very sophisticated system to deal with sin. You bring a pigeon, you bring a lamb, you take it to the priest, they kill it, they offer the sacrifice, and that sin is covered for a year. And next year I do exactly the same. And the system is working fine. We need to be liberated from the Roman Empire, and, and you don't understand. Uh, have you ever heard uh, of, of Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Um, Gabriel, can I just draw a picture for you? I know they educate you in heaven, but this is how it works on earth. See, the, the bottom end is physiological needs like food, clothing, and water. That's where we start, and then we go one up, safety. We have a little bit of a problem in safety, and, and then love and belonging. We feel pretty cuddly right now with our family, so we're good. And then self-esteem, don't worry about the top. Sin is not even in there. Can you understand? We don't have a sin problem. We have an occupation problem. You see, the, the reason why I think I would have said that because I would have said, hey, Gabriel, you know who needs their sin forgiven is Rome. Do you know who we need to be freed from is not sin, is Rome. Rome is our problem. You say, why are you going down this pathway? I'm going to tell you why. Because in the same way that I think Joseph could have responded, by the way, he didn't. Just as a side note, when a real angel appears to you, don't talk back. Just say, yes, sir, because it's exactly what he did. He did as the angel commanded. Aren't you thankful he did as the angel commanded? Listen, why is it that when we think about Jesus coming to save us from our sin, we don't stand up and we, we raise our hands and we say thank you and, and we have tears on on our, running down our cheeks, we have mascara that is just messed up, and we, we, we're just so elated. You, you know why I don't think it happens? It's because we sit in a place where sin is not a felt need. We, we, we have other felt needs like a new apartment and, and, and our marriages and our spouses and our kids that are duds. We wish we could have a new set and, and our job and, and, and things. Other people's sin is our problem, not our own, because you know we have the gift to see other people's stuff. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I've checked you out a long time ago. I've already, I've already, I've the spirit discernment, right? right. But, but our own stuff we don't see. It's everybody else's problem. But here is what I truly believe with all of my heart in Matthew 1, 21. And I'm going to ask that you read it out loud. Last three scriptures and then we're done. This is what scripture says. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, can we get that slide? Otherwise, I, I'm going to think they hate me if they don't read with me. Yeah, come on. She, no, no, the slide, the slide, the other one, the other one. There's two slides that are so important. Here we go. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Can I tell you what I think we read, what we read into it? The next slide will show you exactly what I think reads into it. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will forgive his people from their sin. If you believe that Jesus came to forgive you only, you have taken 
the cause of heaven and you've just diluted it to absolutely nothing. If I believe all that Jesus can do is to forgive me from sin, you know what that truly means? That means that the dominion and the stronghold that sin has over me is not broken. That means I am pre-wired to sin. That means man sins and God forgives, and man sins and God forgives, and man sins and God forgives. I cannot help myself but to sin because sin is in me. But this is not what Scripture says. It says, I will give you a liberating son, Jesus, and he will be the king warrior that will come and rescue you out of the bondage and the power of sin. Sin will not have dominion over you anymore. What that means is your no to sin can never, the sin's yes over your life can never be bigger than your power to say no over sin. He's saying Jesus will come and he will break the empire. He will break the sin nation. He will lead you out so that you and I, whenever we are in temptation, can say no to sin. And sin is paralyzed to overtake us and make us its prisoner anymore. Jesus came and he paid the highest price not only for forgiveness but for liberating you and I from the power of sin and I don't know about you but that gets me pretty psyched up right now I wrote this down Jesus did not come to deliver us from the consequence of sin because you know there are a lot of people that right now are watching that are serving time in prison for the consequence of sin, and yet they've been forgiven from that sin. They will spend eternity with Jesus, but they will spend a lot of time in this life serving the consequence. Jesus came to save us from the power, the dominion, the stronghold. You say, what does this mean, Pastor Pierre? That means the addiction that you are struggling with. Jesus has broken the prison door. You have the power with help to get out. You are not enslaved. There is no lock in that prison. You may feel the yoke and the burden, but there is no lock to this. You, the shackles around you, with God's help, you can shake it loose. There is not a key or there is no lock that is keeping you in bondage do you understand that our baby Jesus came and he says not one of my children will ever sit under the dominion and the power of sin ever again Jesus said to this woman that was caught in adultery Remember the whole story, if not, oh, go read it, it's so good. They dragged her out, they said she committed adultery, and then they said, let's kill her. And Jesus says, okay, that's fine, the one without a sin, throw the first stones. And then he wrote their sins on the sand, and then they all left. And it's just Jesus and this woman that was caught in adultery, he looked in the eyes. And we know the famous words, where are your accusers? I don't see them. And he says this, neither do I condemn you. Here's the not so famous words, go home and sin no more. Right. To which we would say, is that even possible? Is that even possible, Jesus? And Jesus would answer, on the cross, I took the power of sin. 
I defeated it. I crushed its head. I disarmed it. No temptation has taken you that is common to man, but with every temptation, I will give you the power to say no. And when you say no and walk the other way, that temptation is powerless to pursue you and overtake you because I paid the highest price for my children to be absolutely free. So you say, what does this mean for Christmas? Well, I believe Jesus came to deliver you from something, not to just forgive you for something. Oh, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. Romans chapter 6. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it's the last scripture, then he is so, so done. Because the donuts is waiting and it's getting old. Here we go. Oh, I know this is interesting. As I was preparing this message, I was wrestling so hard with this message. I hope the camera shot's not too bad. I, I was wrestling so hard with this message because every temptation that comes my way, now I can't say, oh, it was big and it overtook me. Because now I've got to go like, no, I actually wanted to say yes. Because Jesus, you gave me the power to say no. I chose to say yes. There is a sense of responsibility. And you know what came my way? The way that I honor the coming of Jesus is by saying no to the tyranny of sin. The way that I thank him for the cross is by saying, I ain't going to engage in these stupid things anymore. Because this is what Paul says. He says, Romans 6 verse 12, he says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness but which means there is an option offer yourselves to God and those who've been brought from death to life come on please shout this out everybody Greece campus everybody for sin shall no longer be your master for the wages of sin his death you know what that means in conclusion Listen, people, I love you so deep. I love myself equally deep. But so often, the power of sin is to deceive you that if it's not hurting others, it's not hurtful at all. Scripture says, wherever sin comes, it will produce decay and death. If there is sin in your marriage, it's going to kill your love for each other. If there is sin in your home, you say, oh, nobody knows. I go in the basement. doesn't hurt other people. No, you've unleashed the, the virus that destroys every single time. When you unleash it over your personal life, it is destroying your calling. It's destroying your future. Do you understand when we say yes to it, we are saying yes to literally the, the decaying power that is going to eat away your life and you will sit with regret one day. And Jesus says, when you understand the rancid nature of sin, you will understand why it was the most important for me to set you free from its dominion and power that sin will no longer be your master. Scripture says this in the book of Genesis. God said this to Adam and Eve. Sin is looking at your heart's door and it's desirous for you. You must master it. And man could not master sin under the old law. Impossible. 
That's why. Away in a manger. No crib for a bed. Our warrior king came. Not so we can have a new Chevy truck. A new house. That we marry the right person. Those things are all really cool. But they mean nothing if you're a slave of the master of sin. Our king came to deliver us from the decay and the depravity of the power of sin. So what does that mean? Your no to sin is stronger than sin's yes over you. So my question is, who needs Christmas? Everyone who needs to be freed from their sin. Bible says the wages of sin is death, but God's to gift to you is eternal life. Father's house, let me get on my feet and look in this camera and get as close as I can to your heart. Greece campus, those who are joining us online, the biggest tragedy of Christianity is when you and I are raised that eternity means heaven. Then every single day we keep the rules so we won't burn in the fire. When we tell our kids, you better obey me, otherwise you're going to burn in hell fire. Oh, it's so tragic. Because Jesus said we can have a part. He said this to the woman at the well, if you drink from that water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink from the water I give you, rivers of living water will spring from your innermost being. You will experience fullness of life every single day. You will have abundance of life. Jesus came to rescue us, not from hell. He came to rescue us from a life that is dull and dead. He rescued us from being walking zombies, people that's alive on the outside but dead on the inside. Jesus came so that you and I will be fully alive now and when we are done with here we'll just walk up into eternity eternity already starts for those who have said yes to Jesus and his abundance is living in us and my prayer that every single one of us this Christmas will just understand this our warrior king came so that we can say no and sin has no power to override our no and make it a yes ever again. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this moment right now, I just thank you for your grace. Oh God, as the previous service, it feels like it's a tsunami of truth that wash over us, yet we're trying to metabolize, trying to metabolize because most of us in our lives are yet to consider that the power of our yes is so strong that evil cannot override it. If it wasn't for you, God, that sent your son, we would be slaves. We would be under the tyranny of evil and evil desires. So we want to say thank you, Jesus. We want to say thank you, Jesus. I would love to lead you in a prayer. You don't have to pray this prayer. The prayer is a simple prayer. 
of gratitude and thanks and affirmation over God's freedom over your heart. You want to pray that prayer with me? I'm going to encourage you to just lay your hand on your heart. Why am I standing my hand on my heart? It's just tactile. It's just, just the place of saying, God, right here, my innermost being. And I'm going to encourage you, if you would like to, online at our campuses, just whisper this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for Jesus. Make it real to me that I'm not only forgiven, but I've been set free from the tyranny of sin. Oh God, help my yes to echo loud and my no to be strong so that sin will no longer have any say in my life. Thank you for the costly price that Jesus paid. I'm eternally thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, come on, let's just thank the Lord for His Son, Jesus. Yeah, come on. Right now at all of our campuses and online, we're going to prepare our hearts to give. Now again, don't move yet, because this is a sacred moment, really. Because ultimately, our response, our yes, our agreeing with God, our saying we believe in what you've done in us and we want to perpetuate that, will mark to the extent that we can feed, we can reach, because every penny that is going into this, but $30,000 will come back to repairs in this campus which is in desperate need on the outside, is going to local missions, missions in the greater Rochester. And you know what's so beautiful? That on every single act of love, those who give your invisible fingerprints and your partnership with heaven is established. And I'm going to encourage the ways that you can give is going to be on all of our screens. And at all of our campuses, we've got people on the outsides with iPads that, that can do a, a, a swipe with your debit, your credit card. But this is very important to me as a pastor, that if all of us do something together, this is an expansive task of reaching many lives. But when you do, Scripture says, do not do it under manipulation, but do it out of a heart of gratitude for God loves cheerful givers. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to be two more minutes before we dismiss. I'm going to ask that you do not uh, get up and leave the auditorium. They're going to think you're stealing the money, and they're going to tase you. You're going to get on the news. I'm going to pretend I never knew you. This is how, and I'm just missing. They will tase you. Don't do it. Um, just give this moment, because for, for me, my family, the Lord is stretching us in this season with our yes. And I believe with all of my heart that if you allow God to have His way, you say, Pastor P, how do I do it? Just close your eyes and say, God, what is my portion in this miracle that you want to achieve in other people's life? Oh, He'll whisper. He will. And then if it's a big ask, I double dare you. Get in the bungee cage and shoot the heck into space 
because you will have a story of his goodness over your life in the future. Father, this is a holy moment for all centuries, decades, and times. It is in these moments where the trajectory of who you can touch and how far you can reach has been decided. And our prayer is that our 2020 in Rochester, greater, will be impactful and there will not be a single hungry mouth that you intend to feed that we cannot feed. And that this new outreach in Albion Prison will transform thousands of lives and families. And to that we shout a big yes, Jesus. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Amen.